Hello and welcome to this new episode of Folklore, Food and Fairy Tales. It's so wonderful to have you back, or if you're new, it's wonderful to have you welcome you here. As always, the podcast will take on its normal format. First, there'll be a story, then following the story, I'll talk a bit about how the story's from and why it is perhaps the way it is. Then we'll talk about the food, its history and folklore, and then at the end, there'll be a recipe. The story in this episode is The King of Love. It's a folktale from Sicily, and I've adapted it from various different sources. If you want to take a look at them, you'll find them in the show notes. So, without ado, if you're listening comfortably, I'll begin. Once, or so they say, there lived a man, a farmer of wild horseradish, who had three daughters. One day, the youngest daughter said to him, Papa... Will you take me with you to pick some horseradish plants? Yes, my girl, he said, and he took her with him. As soon as they arrived in a garden, they began to pick the plants. The maiden caught sight of a beautiful plant some distance away and went there with her father to pull it out. Well, with her, I'll pull, and you pull, and I'll pull, and you pull, and I'll pull, and you pull, they managed to pull it out. All at once, a man appeared and said, how did you manage to open my master's doorway? Now you must enter so he can decide where your punishment will be. Consequently, fearing for their lives, they went below. And while they were sitting and waiting, a green bird appeared. They watched him go into a small tub of milk and then jump into a small one of water, all the while fluttering his wings to get the water and the milk inside them and then off again at the end. Afterwards, he came out dried himself and turned into a handsome young man. Then he turned to the man and said, What do these people want? My lord, I must tell you that this man and this woman have pulled out the plant and opened the passage to your underground realm. How would I know that this was the entrance to your lordship's palace? responded the father. My daughter saw a beautiful plant and because she liked it and it was so beautiful and she wanted to pull it up, she did. All right. Since this is the case, said the Lordship, your daughter can stay here and be my wife, should she so choose. And you can take this little bag of gold coins and you can go. And whenever you wish to see your daughter, you may come see and feel here and feel at home. The daughter, having thought about it, decided this was probably a better bet than she was going to get, being the daughter of a wild horde-radish farmer, and decided to stay. So the farmer took leave for his daughter and departed. Once the master was alone with the girl, he said to her, Rosella, for that was her name, I want you to know that you are the mistress of this place. And he handed her the mistress's full set of keys. And from that point on, they lived in perfect happiness. But as we all know, happiness has a horrible habit of coming to an end. One day, her two sisters decided to pay her a visit. They knocked and they entered. The bird in his usual green feathers, had not come back to take his usual bath in milk and water. This husband of yours, what's his name? they said. I really couldn't say, she answered. But how can you be you spend time with him without knowing who he is and who he isn't? The reason I don't know is that he made me promise that I wouldn't try and find out who he is, Rosanna answered. Do you know what you should do? You should pretend that you can't be happy with him unless he tells you who he is. Rosella didn't like the idea of this, but eventually her sisters persuaded her, and so, when the bird returned, took his bath, turned into a handsome man, she put on an unhappy face for him. What's what's wrong with you, he said. 
Nothing, she replied. It'd be better if you told me. She took a little time to allow him to persuade her and then said, if you want to know what's really bothering me, it's just I want to know what your name is. Oh, Rosella, Rosella, is that really what you want to know? My name? Yes, I want to know it. Is that what you really, truly want? Yes, that's what I want. All right, if that's really what you want, you must do the following. Take the gold basin and bowl out of the closet and set them on this chair. However, before I even get upon this chair, Rosella, tell me one more time. If you really want to know my name, and I warn you, this is going to bring trouble for you. Yes, that's what I want to know. So he got upon the chair, climbed into the basin and wet his feet. Rosella, do you still want to know my name? Yes. Now the bird had immersed himself so the water reached his stomach. Rosella, do you still want to know my name? Yes. Now the water reached his mouth. Rosella, do you still want to know my name? Yes, yes, yes. All right then, my name is the King of Love. Upon saying that, he vanished. The basin vanished. The palace vanished. And Rosella found herself in the middle of a field with not a soul in sight to help her. She called for the servants and she called for the stewards and she called for help generally, but no one answered. Finally, she said, well, now that he's vanished, I'm going to have to wander through the world looking for him because she loved him. And also, by this time, she'd become pregnant. Nevertheless, she set out on foot in her advanced state and walked and walked. She went from one uninhabited region to another poor thing, so alone that she felt her heart might break. At a loss for what to do, she cried out in desperation. Ah, king of love, you said it and you did it. You disappeared from the golden basin. But who's there willing to help a poor girl tonight? She began to repeat this. An ogress appeared and said to her, Oh, you miserable creature. How can you be so bold as to search for my nephew? Do you know why I won't eat you on the spot? Well, it's thanks to you having a living soul in your belly. So come this way and I'll give you shelter for one night. So she took her in and put her to bed. The next morning she gave her a little piece of bread to eat. Then she explained to her, We are seven sisters here. Each of us is an ogress, and the worst of the lot is your mother-in-law. So be on your toes. The girl burst into tears and set out again on foot. She walked until sunset, and then again she cried out, Oh, king of love, you said it, and you did it. You disappeared from the golden basin. Who's there and willing to forgive and take in a poor girl tonight? As she was crying, another ogress appeared. She was another aunt of the king of love. First, she gave her a great scolding, as his other heart had done, but then she offered her shelter for the night in her house. The next morning, she gave her a piece of bread and sent her away, telling her the same thing her sister had said. To be brief, the poor girl walked this way for four more days, and each day an ogress told her exactly the same thing, and on the seventh day she was practically shedding tears of blood and cried even more loudly, Oh, king of love, you said it, and you did it. You disappeared from the golden basin. Who's there who'd forgive and be willing to shelter a poor girl tonight? Now, her sister-in-law appeared, the king of love's own sister, and said to her, Rosella, Rosella, since my mother isn't here, come on up. She lowered her long braids and helped her climb up. Once she'd given her something to eat, she said, Listen, my mother's about to come. She'll eat this big kneading bowl full of pasta and this entire pig with this huge furnace load of bread. Afterwards, she'll drink the full barrel of wine. When she's halfway through her meal, 
You must take her left breast and throw it behind her right side, throw her right breast behind her left side and grab her nipples and squeeze so hard. When she cries, let go of me, for the love of my son, the King of Spain, don't let go. Instead, squeeze harder. When she cries, let go of me, for the love of my daughter, Rosida, don't let go. Then she will shout, let go of me, for the love of my daughter, Katerina, but don't you let go. At last, when she can stand it no longer, she will say, let go of me, for the love of my son, the king of love. At that point, let go of her. And now, let me hide you beneath this cup, since my mother's about to arrive. Consequently, she took her and hid her under a large cup. Meanwhile, Katerina felt a gust of wind, which meant her mother was coming. Sure enough, Mama Draga the Ogress was under the window and began shouting, Katerina, let down your braids. So her daughter looked out the window, loosened her plaits, helped her climb up. As the Mama Draga entered, she said, Aha! I smell the scent of human meat. If I ever find her, she's mine to eat. Oh no, mother. It's because your nostrils are still full of the smell of all the children you've eaten. You imagine the smell is in here. It's just in your nose. Relax. Have your dinner. Halfway through her meal, Katerina lifted up the cup and let Rosella out. Rosella grabbed the ends of Mama Draga's nipples and squeezed. Feeling herself squeezed like that, the ogre lashed out. But there's nothing she could do. She simply couldn't move. And so she shouted, Let go of me, for the love of my son, the King of Spain. Let go of me, for the love of my daughter, Rosida. Let go of me, for the love of my daughter, Katerina. Let go of me, for the love of my son, the King of Love. Suddenly, when she said these last words, Rosella, who kept squeezing her, finally let go. Once she was released, the ogress still wanted to devour Rosella, but her children said to her, You are awful, mother. If you devour this innocent child, we'll all run off and leave you completely by yourself. Well, if that's the case, she said, I'm going to write a letter, and you, Rosella, have to take it to my godmother. The poor thing. Rosella felt uncertain as what to do when she found herself with this letter. So she descended her sister-in-law's plats down to the plain and called out, Ah, oh, king of love, you said it and you did it. You disappeared from the golden mason. Are you there? Forgive me. I'm willing to speak to me this tonight. All at once, the king of love appeared to her and said, Now do you see your own curiosity has brought you to this point? When the poor girl saw him, she begged his pardon for what she had done. And he took pity, as he should and said, all right, listen to what you must do. You must walk from here until you come to a river of blood and mud. You bend down and scoop up a handful of disgusting water and say, what beautiful crystal clear water. I have never tasted water like this. Then you'll come to a garden with a huge amount of fruit. Pick one or two of them and say, oh, what beautiful pears, pears like this I've never eaten before. As you go on further, you'll come to an oven. Night and day this oven takes and turns at loaf upon loaf of bread, but no one ever buys any. When you arrive, you must say, oh, what beautiful bread. Bread like this I've never eaten before, and eat some of it. Further ahead, you'll see a doorway, where you'll find two starving dogs. Give them a piece of the bread to eat. Then you'll see an entrance that's all dirty and full of cobwebs. Take up a broom and sweep it. Then go up the stairs, and you'll meet two giants, each with a piece of meat at his side, all dirty. Take a brush and a cloth and clean them all off. As you go into the house, you'll find a razor and a scissors and a knife on a table. Find something to sharpen them with. Once you've done that, you can go in and hand over the letter to my mother's godmother. However, when she tries to get you into the room and she's reading the letter, snatch up the little casket you see on the table and run away immediately. Make certain you do all the things I've said. If not, you will pay with your life. Rosella departed once again. 
And when she came to the two rivers, she scooped up some of the blood and muddy water and drank it and said, What beautiful crystal clear water. I've never tasted water like this. Then she passed the garden and picked the fruit. In short, she completed all the tasks the King of Love had set for her. When she went upstairs to the other Mama Draga, she gave her the letter. While the creature was reading it, she snatched the little casket and took off at a run. As soon as the ogress finished reading, she shouted, Rosella, Rosella! However, Rosella didn't answer. She was long gone. Realising she'd been tricked, the ogress called out, Scissors, razor, knife, cut her! But they answered, How long have we been scissors, razor and knife, and you never bothered to sharpen us? Rosella came along and she gave us a lovely cleaning. In a rage, the mama dragger shouted, Stay away! Swallow her! How long have I been a set of stairs, and you've never bothered to clean me? Along came this girl, and she cleaned me, so I shine beautifully. Infuriated, the mama dragger called out, Giant, stab her! How long have we been your giants? They said, You've never bothered to sweep away our dirt, or give us a clean. Along came this girl, she swept, and she cleaned us with a cloth. Doorway, swallow her! How long have I been your doorway, and you never bothered to sweep me? Along came this girl and she swept me beautifully. Dogs, devour her! How long have we been your dogs? You've never bothered to give us a scrap of bread. Along came this girl and she gave us a loaf each. Oven, roast her! How long have I been an oven and you've never wanted my bread? Along this girl came and she ate some of it and even took some away with her. Tree, stick her! How long have I been a tree? You've never picked my fruit. Along came this girl, she picked the fruit and she complimented me on it beautifully. River of mud and river of blood drown her. How long have we been a river of mud and river of blood and you've never sampled our water? She came along, drank from us, told us our water was beautiful. So, Miss Ella was able to continue her journey. Finally, she couldn't resist the curiosity of seeing what was inside the little casket. I think we've been here before. She opened it and out came a company of little dolls, dancing and singing and playing music. She enjoyed herself for quite some time with these delights, and the dolls had no wish to go back inside the casket. When night fell, however, it grew dark. She was a bit stuck, and she called out, The King of Love, you said it, you did it, you disappeared from the golden basin. Are you forgiving and willing to speak to this poor girl tonight? Now, the King of Love himself appeared again and said to her, Oh, you've fallen victim to curiosity again. As for you, little dolls, back in the casket. All the dolls jumped back in the box, the King of Love being very persuasive. Rosanna continued on her way. Once she reached the Mama Draga's window, she called to her sisters-in-law, Katerina and Rosita, who lowered their plaits so she could climb up. When the Mama Draga saw her, she said, This success is not your own doing. That comes from my son, the King of Love. Now, the ogress really wanted to eat her, but her daughters restrained her. You evil thing! She bought you the little casket, as you asked, so how can you want to eat her? They protested. All right, but now she must prepare to marry my son, the King of Love. Girl, take these six mattresses, well, six mattress covers, and fill them up for me with bird feathers to make the mattress of your wedding bed. Rosella picked up the mattress linings and once outside began walking and calling because there was absolutely no way in her advanced state of pregnancy that she could do this job herself. Ah, oh, king of love, you said it, you did it, you disappeared from the golden basin. Are you there forgiving and willing to speak to this poor girl tonight? All at once he appeared again. She told him the whole story. This was no problem. With a loud whistle, the king of love summoned the king of birds. Hurry, have all your birds come here. 
with the softest feathers, shed their feathers and use them to stuff these six mattresses. In no time, the birds filled the six mattresses with their softest, downiest feathers and he ordered them to bring them to his mother's house. When the mama draga saw the six beautifully filled mattresses, she said, This gift didn't come from you. It came from my son, the king of love. But her daughters again said, What does it matter where it came from as long as you've got the mattresses? So the mama draga made up her son's bed, placing the six mattresses on top of it. However, she was determined that Rosella was not going to be her son's wife. So she decided to have him marry the daughter of the king of Portugal. So she called Rosella and said, Listen, my son, King of Love is getting married, and it's not to you. It's our custom in marriage is to have someone at the hand kneeling at the two lit torches. Since it's you're here, anyway, it's your job to hold these lit torches in front of my son's bed. When the royal couple had gone to bed, it was almost an hour short of midnight. The King of Love said to his new bride, Do you see how weary Rosida is because of her pregnancy? She can hardly stay on her knees another minute. Why don't you get up just for a bit and take the torches yourself a moment? Let the poor creature lie down. The princess got up, she was a nice woman, and she let Rosella lie down. However, the moment the princess had the torches in her hand, the earth opened up and swallowed her. The king of love remained happily in bed next to Rosella, and the princess of Portugal woke up in her own bed. The next morning, Mama Draga went there, believing that Rosella was gone. But when she saw her there in the bed, and the princess of Portugal nowhere to be seen, she said, you wicked creature, sleeping there next to my son and pregnant too. My revenge is this. You'll not be able to give birth until I take my hands off my head. Then she put her hands on top of her head. Shortly afterwards, Rosella began suffering from labour pains. The king of love was at a loss. His love was suffering. What did he do? He had a beer with a coffin prepared and lay down on it like someone who had died. Then he had them ring all the bells for the death knell and ordered the people to go about saying, The king of love has died. The hubbub reached his mother's window. When she heard it, she asked, What's the meaning of all this noise? Her daughters answered, What do you think it is? Our brother is dead because of you. When the mama drugger heard this, she lifted her hands from her head and ran about and cried, Oh, my son, how did he die? As she lifted her hands from her head, Rosella gave birth. The king of love got up from his beer and said to her, Mother, Thanks to you, Rosella has given birth. When the Mama Draga heard this, she had a rush of blood to the head and died on the spot. The King of Love went to get his wife and afterwards set up a new home with his wonderful sisters. And they lived on, all of them, happy and content. And that, gentle listener, is the end of my tale. And I hope it pleased you, for it had no other purpose. So, what did you think of the tale? I found it absolutely fascinating. Normally, it's exactly the same as tail type as the sprig of rosemary from the last episode, but it has perhaps more differences than similarities, if only in style. This is a Sicilian tale, which may explain some of those differences. It's clearly a more popular retelling of the myth of Psyche and Cupid, using elements of Sicilian and Italian culture. This variant is a mixture of the tale of how the wife is punished for her curiosity, as egged on by her semvious sisters, and the form of the tale where her husband takes the form of an animal, in this case, a green bird. Shall we take a look at some of the more unusual elements? Firstly, Rosella is heavily pregnant, which makes her journey in any task just that much harder. When I read the tale as collected by Frederick Kane, this is glossed over, but that probably comes from Victorian sensibilities, as opposed to any other reason for hiding it. 
The other part of the tale is classed as 45b, the son of the witch or the witch's task. The major differences to similar Scandinavian tales I've heard is that the siblings of the ogress are determined to help the heroine. The way that Rosella escapes from the ogress's godmother is unusual in how close it comes, although containing a lot more detail, to both the German tale Frau Holler and various tales of Russian origin where similar tactics are used to escape Baba Yaga. The ending of not allowing the heroine to give birth until hands are unclasped and the resulting trickery to enter her labour is typically Italian. In English and Scandinavian versions, the witch or ogress is startled into revealing the spell she is used to prevent the birth. I felt particularly bad for Rosella. Even after she completed her task, she was still being punished. It's also a nod to the princess and the pea here, with a big stack of mattresses and the arrival of what we might consider to be a true-born princess. I'd also like to raise the issue of the poor king of Portugal's daughter. In all the versions I've read, was killed off for no actions of her own. I decided she deserved a kinder ending and took some liberties with the tale in her best interest. We've examined several variants of this tale in The Black Bull of Norway, The Golden Castle That Hung in the Air, and The Sprig of Rosemary, so I won't examine this version any further, other than to say that the King of Love is less sympathetic than he ought to be to his beloved situation, something I noticed which happens in nearly all of these tales. So, now is the time to wow you with tales of horseradish, a useful but not particularly beautiful herb. Or, is it a herb? Maybe it's a vegetable. Or maybe because of its heat levels, is a vegetable we use in the same way as we use a herb. I'll let you decide. But whether herb or vegetable, there's evidence of its use for over 3,000 years. So, beautiful or not, it clearly has an appeal. I'll be reissuing my warning about using folk remedies without seeking medical advice shortly, but first we should consider the name. I've been checking it out on the Oxford English History Dictionary and they believe it gets its name from horse, meaning coarse or overgrown, and radish, which comes from the Latin for root, the salad vegetable we all know and love. That's all very well, you may say, but where does it come from? No one really knows, as it spread out and made itself native across the world. There are lots of guesses, but many people suggest it originated in Germany, where it's possibly at its most loved. They think then it spread out across Europe, and then across to America, when Europeans colonised the native peoples there. It spreads very easily and grows from pieces of root, so when it's in your garden, it is pretty much there to stay. It was famously, and strangely clearly, proclaimed by the oracle at Delphi as worth its weight in gold. But no one seems to know why. It was valued very much medicinally in ancient Greeks and as an aphrodisiac, so perhaps it was. It probably was the ancient Greeks, Egyptians and Romans not very clear about exactly which plants they used for what, and the translators did occasionally have to take well, what we'll call uh, a good guess. If this is a herb that they valued so highly, then they used it to treat back pain and menstrual cramps. It was also used in England med medicinally from the Middle Ages onwards, before it became prized for its culinary uses from, if I'm to believe the internet, a very specific 1640. We'll look at the medical remedies and a touch of horseradish folklore before we consider that very specific date. I'll just pop my disclaimer here first that this is all about historic information and is not meant to be used for medical guidance. With that out of the way, horseradish was used during the Middle Ages to treat a variety of ailments. The leaves and roots were used for treating asthma, arthritis, cancer, toothache, sore throats, coughs and digestive upset. It did gradually fall out of favour but was still used for certain conditions, especially in the fens right through the Victorian period. It was said that an efficacious plaster for lumbago, common fen ill, was horseradish grated and mixed with boiling water. This, applied immediately to the sufferer's back, was an overnight cure. 
The resultant blister was treated the following day by removing the plaster, baking it in the oven till it was powdery, then mixing with flour, and the mixture was dusted over the blisters. It was also treated to use to treat chillblains by wrapping the grated root around the affected finger or toe and wrapping it in lint. Both of these sound very painful. The leaves were also considered great for wound healing, reducing bloodless and re- blood loss and reducing scarring. It was considered a cure for violent summer cramps. And young women who had been dallying in the bedroom before wedlock chewed on the leaves three times a day to remove any need for a rushed wedding. Horseradish was also used in the fence to predict the sex of an unborn child. This was carried out by means of two roots of horseradish placed one each under the pillow of husband and wife. If the root under the husband's pillow turned black first, it would be a boy. If the wife did so, it would be a girl. Horseradish is also one of the five bitter herbs of the Seder platter in the Jewish celebration of Passover. There's Passover tradition in some Jewish households where you try and eat as much horseradish as you can in one bite because the more you can force into yourself, the sweeter a year you will have. Another fascinating horseradish fact, though not folklore related, was that in 2008 researchers reported they developed a fire alarm for the deaf and hard of hearing by harnessing the strong smell of horseradish. I'm going to have to stumble over this, I'm afraid, but Ali Elisethine cyanate, the volatile oil which his horseradish its strong smell, was extracted from the plant and used inside of the fire alarm. When the alarm was triggered, it sprayed the oil into the air instead of sending an audible alarm. In this case, 13 out of 14 subjects woke up in less than two minutes, supporting the theory that the fire alarm would be effective. Should we have a look at that 1640 date now? If anyone knows what the significance of that is, please let me know. I'll admit that the English housewife of 1631 doesn't have any reference I can see to horseradish, but Samuel Pepys was chucking back the horseradish ale in 1664, so it must have been around a bit by then as a culinary herb as well as a medical one. In The Complete City and Country Cook of 1732 by E. Carter, it's all over the book, and not just for beef either, but used as a vegetable in ragouts and grated over and added to a multitude of fish dishes. I must admit, though, it's drilled down over time to just being a standard accompaniment for roast beef in the form of horseradish sauce. It does still appear in fish recipes, but this is less usual in the UK. In my kitchen, it works with both. I make my own horseradish sauce grated fresh root cream and vinegar every Christmas to serve with a Christmas Eve heat plate of latkes, thinly sliced medium rare beef and a selection of smoked fish. Another Christmas regular for me, and our recipe for today, is smoked mackerel passé. I do also make it the rest of the year. It is a wonderful combination of smoked mackerel, horseradish, cream cheese, red onions, pickles and capers. I serve it with smoked mussels and gooseberry chutney. I'm going to share the pate recipe with you now and you can dress it as you please. Just always be generous with the horseradish and make sure there is plenty of hot, crisp toast. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. I really hope you've enjoyed it. You'll find further reading in the show notes. Also links to both Twitter and Instagram and the website if you'd like to have any more information. That's where the recipes sit with their actual instructions and quantities, which I hope will be more helpful than just the one I've described. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like more people to find out about it, then the best thing you can do is to review it and give it a wonderful rating wherever you get your podcasts. That makes it easier for other people to find it. If you'd like to get in touch with anything about the podcast, you can contact me via Twitter or Instagram, where I'm at fairytalesfood on both, or at hestiaskitchen.co.uk via the contact form there. I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, thanks again for listening to this episode of Folklore, Food and Fairy Tales. (laughs) 